And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with us today is the Reverend Rick Anderson, and he is Associate Pastor of Stratford Presbyterian Church. He's also a senior missionary with Chaim, a reform ministry to the Jews. Uh, Pastor Rick, it's an honor to have you on with us today. Thanks, Dan. It's a real thrill to be on myself. Thank you. Um, We just came through Christmas, and uh, we wanted to talk about the coming of Christ into the world. So maybe I'll just let you take it from there and share some thoughts that you have for us today. Yes, thank you, Dan. Chaim is a Reformed mission to the Jewish people, so I'm going to put some uh, emphasis on on the Jewish connection to this. I hope you don't mind. Oh, that's great. The text that that I'm looking at here is from Galatians chapter 4, which uh, partly reads, For when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman made under the law. And the points that I want to make are that God perfectly set the stage for the coming of Jesus the Messiah into the world. I mean, with history, with sociological events, with, uh, with pretty much everything. Um, we read in Isaiah chapter 49. Isaiah was written 700 years before Christ was born, but it prophesies the coming of um, the Holy One of God, Notice how it reads. It says, Isaiah 49, Thus saith the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel, and his Holy One, to whom man despises, to whom the nation abhors, to a servant of rulers, kings shall see and arise, princes shall worship, because of the Lord that is faithful, and the Holy One of Israel, and he shall choose you." Thus saith the Lord, in an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation have I helped you. And Dan, here it speaks of a man that the the nation of Israel despises and abhors, but yet he is called the Holy One of Israel. And uh, there is only one person who could have fulfilled that in history, but it speaks of an acceptable time, a time that God had prepared at the time of the coming of the Messiah, the wisdom of the world was largely um, espoused by, by the Greeks. God made a full test of the, the Greek ability with insight and wisdom. There was a single generation, maybe a, maybe a couple of generations together, where the greatest minds of the ancient world uh, held forth their wisdom. I mean, the playwrights, the philosophers, most of these Greeks um, are clustered around just a, a couple of points in history. Uh, you had Aeschylus, the playwright, Sophocles, another playwright, you have this, uh, the, um, the Greek scientist Archimedes, we consider the mathematician that he was, Aristarchus, uh, Euclid, Hippocrates, Pythagoras, many people have heard of the Pythagorean theorem. There, was, uh, there were the Greek historians, Herodotus and Thucydides. All of them didn't quite live at the same time, but many of them did. But by the time of the coming of Christ, all the wisdom of these Greeks had pretty much come to nothing. 
By that I mean they did not address the issue of eternal life. This is likely what St. Paul had in mind. And St. Paul was uh, versed in the, the wisdom of the Romans and the Greeks. He writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, he says, The preaching of the cross is foolishness to those who perish, but to those who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, and now here uh, St. Paul quotes from the Old Testament, For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Then he asks, where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom did not know God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to those who believe. For the Jews require a sign. The Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block, and to the Greeks, foolishness. So here, the coming of Christ in the world, into the world addressed the deepest needs of man for, for righteousness and justice in their soul before God and eternal life. The Greeks, for all their wisdom, failed to deal with this issue. No one could unravel the mysteries of eternal life and salvation uh, except that the Lord would intervene. This is what he did when he brought Christ into the world. There were empires that existed before the time of Rome, when Rome ruled the known world at that time. But even those empires were used of God to disseminate his holy word. For example, uh, during the, the rule of Alexander the Great, about three centuries before the coming of Christ in the, into the world, what happened during Alexander's reign is he spread the Greek language throughout the known world. When he died and his four generals began dynasties in, um, in his stead, they spread Greek throughout the known world. This is, this, uh, the language, the spreading of Greek isn't particularly, isn't prophesied in Scripture, but what is, is the rule of his generals. And you can read about that in Daniel chapter 8, verse 21, and Daniel chapter 11, verses 2 and following. So Greek became a, a universal language. This facilitated the spread of the good news of Jesus, because the, the, the Greek language spread throughout the world. It was, it was probably as universal or more universal to, in those days than even English is today. So in all the, the large cities of the, of the ancient world, Greek was spoken. Also, the Jewish people spread throughout the world even at that time. This was before the destruction of Jerusalem by the Romans, and they had synagogues in all the main cities, and in the synagogues, of course, they had the scriptures, so that the, 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 the reading of the, the prophets who spoke of the coming of uh, Christ into the world could be read not only by Jews, but by, by proselytes, by those who are, who are Gentiles, who nonetheless wanted to hear the word of God preached in the synagogues. Um, we read, for example, in Romans chapter 16, where, where uh, um, the Lord through St. Paul speaks, and he says, by the prophetic scriptures that have now been, known, been made known to all nations by the commandment of the everlasting God. And uh, St. Paul speaks of the scriptures being known throughout the world. This was facilitated during the time of the great Hellenistic empires under Alexander. And even before the Greeks, uh, there was uh, the, the Babylonian Empire under Nebuchadnezzar. And the Lord used that to spread the knowledge of 
of God and prepare the world for Christ, even under Nebuchadnezzar, who lived 500 years before Christ came. Nebuchadnezzar, according to the book of Daniel, had a conversion experience to the God of Israel. And as a result, what Nebuchadnezzar did is, and you can read it in the scriptures, he published a royal edict that was supposed to be be made known to all his subjects. Now, Nebuchadnezzar wasn't simply the king of one city-state, Babylon. Babylon was rather an empire that compassed many, many uh, uh, nations in and of themselves. Daniel chapter 3, verse 29 speaks of that. Uh, Daniel chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, and Daniel chapter 4, verses 37, is written in the form of a royal edict that is to be made known to all nations and tribes. And here, Nebuchadnezzar gives his confession of how he has come to believe in the faith of, of the God of Israel. Now, what this did is it caused people to know the scriptures. It caused them to pay attention to the God of Israel. Nebuchadnezzar, of course, had been a pagan all his life until this occurred. And then even after Nebuchadnezzar, you had the time of the Persian Empire. There was, um, and you can read this in the book of Esther, there was King Ahasuerus, or as he's known in Hebrew, Ahasuerus, but as he's known better in English, King Xerxes. And Xerxes, according to the book of Esther, ruled not just Persia, but 127 provinces from India to Ethiopia. That was most of the known world. And in the book of Esther, it speaks of, of course, uh, the war between Haman and the Jews. And as a result, it says in Esther chapter 8, verse 17, that many people of the land became Jews for the fear the Jews fell upon them. What that means, uh, Dan, is that many of the Persians came to believe in the God of the Jews. They came to believe in the God of Israel. And, and Mordecai, the husband of Esther, became the prime minister second only in power to King Xerxes. That meant, of course, that the faith of Mordecai, Mordecai would have used his, his, his influence to spread the faith of the known, uh, of the true and living God and the scriptures, and he would have done that throughout the empire because he was the, he was the second most powerful man in the empire, and Xerxes had given his his stamp of approval to, to the God of Israel in, in Persia. So the Lord prepared all that for the coming of Christ. What this meant was the knowledge of God passed into the eastern part of the world, into Persia, into Media, into the areas where, for example, the Magi would have lived, the, uh, the, the, the wise men from the east. A lot of people think, well, you know, they were simply astrologers and they saw a star. Well, maybe they were, but the knowledge of God and his prophetic scriptures would have been in the East due to the influence of Mordecai and King Xerxes hundreds of years before. Uh, the wise men, the Magi in Matthew 2, 2 said, where is he who, is born, who, who was born king of the Jews? For we have seen a star in the east and are come to worship him. How would they have known that there was a king of the Jews? Well, we could say maybe it was by direct revelation. More likely, it was because they had the scriptures that, 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 uh, uh, at that time, and they read them. Just as, uh, for example, uh, the, uh, the, the emissary of Candace, uh, queen of the Ethiopians, was reading from the scroll of Isaiah when Philip found him in, uh, in Acts chapter uh, 10. So... Um, then you had, at the coming of Christ, you had the time of the Roman Empire. And at that time, God used 
uh, amazing actions of providence to prepare the world for the coming of Christ and the spread of his knowledge. For example, at the time of Christ, you had this excellent system of roads and aqueducts that the Romans built that could carry water and carry um, people, you know, convey people from all, to all parts of the empire. And some of these roads and aqueducts are still at use, uh, still used today. They link the entire empire together so that the knowledge of, uh, of, of the gospel and the knowledge of the coming of Christ into the, into the world could be quickly spread. Plus, Rome was able to unite the world much more than, than the Greeks could. They, they couldn't, they, they weren't, um, the, the empire of the Greeks was divided into four, but you had something called the, the Roman peace, the Pax Romana, where Rome uh, imposed a universal peace upon the world and that enabled uh, that enabled uh, the, the spread of the knowledge of Jesus throughout throughout the known world. In Malachi chapter three, it uh, it gives a prophecy of the coming of Christ. And uh, again, this is these are the Hebrew scriptures. Uh, Jewish people don't read the New Testament, but they accept the Hebrew scriptures as at least authoritative. They may not believe they're the word of God, but at least they're they're considered by the Jews to be holy legend. And if it's a holy legend, they're to be considered. And here's Malachi writing again, oh, maybe 350 B.C. or 400 B.C. And he writes in Malachi 3, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. Of course, of course Malachi is speaking as, as the mouthpiece of God. And the New Testament mentions in Matthew 10 that this messenger is John the Baptist. And he will prepare the way before me. And then it says in Malachi 3, And the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple. Now, this word suddenly is used throughout scriptures universally as a, a time, a, a, an unexpected occurrence and, some time, and, and unwelcome, actually. And it says, the Lord whom you seek, and the, the, the text may be using this in a facetious way, maybe it means it genuinely, but the Jewish religion was one of, at that time, of many repetitions of praise, and that they would, uh, in the synagogues, uh, they would go through this in a, a perfunctory and rote fashion over and over again, um, something along the lines of um, what what um, Jesus referred to as a futile or vain repetitions, but they would claim to um, uh, allegiance to God. Some are quite sincere, of course, but many were not. And it says, the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he shall come. And uh, Malachi speaks of an unexpected arrival of the Messiah in the temple after years and years of perfunctory rote prayers that uh, were, were made in, in saying that we're, we're waiting for the coming of the Savior, of the Deliverer, and when shall he come? Let him come, O Lord God. And you have, and they, and you have uh, some hymns and uh, prayers that even exist today in the synagogue for uh, not, uh, the coming of God in one way or another, the, the deliverance that God has promised. Of course, the Jewish people are expecting, or at least um, by the books, they're expecting the coming of, uh, of a Messiah of one form or another. And then it says, he shall come, but who may abide the day of his coming? Of course, I'm using the old King James, but it means who, who, who will be able to stand when he arrives? And then it says, who shall stand when he appears? It means 
who will be prepared for his coming when he comes because he comes um, because he comes unexpectedly and then it ends with for he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap means it's uh, these are these are these elements have astringent qualities to them uh, they they cleanse and they refine a refiner's fire of course takes uh, metal and it purifies it under heat uh, and then it ends with and he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver so the roman peace the spread of uh, a universal language in the world uh, a system of uh, of roads and aqueducts that made travel easy and the dissemination of the scriptures made the coming of Christ into the world at that time an ideal time to come plus the fact that that, that many of the ancient and pagan religions that had had been um, exhausted and tried in many ways to uh, address uh, the, the need for eternal life and all the wisdom of, of the, the greatest uh, wise men of the world and I mean uh, the Greeks could not address this issue of what must we do to receive eternal life. So Christ came at the perfect time is the point. Well, that's a wonderful, that's a wonderful uh, rundown. Uh, today we're talking with uh, Pastor Rick Anderson, and he is a senior missionary with Chaim, the ministry to the Jewish people. And uh, he's also associate pastor of Stratford Presbyterian Church. Um, Rick, as you describe this, um, no question, you can see how God perfectly set the stage and these things leading up to the appearance of Christ, uh, they were not random. Uh, God really had his hand in this. Um, We've got maybe seven minutes left yet. Um, I'm not sure what we should cover yet or what you would like to cover, but I'd love to learn a little bit more um, about um, how do you talk with people about this message when God hasn't yet opened their eyes and yet they're in that process of God opening their eyes to, to see this truth? Uh, what helped me is uh, I saw the integrity of the Scriptures. I mean, I wasn't raised believing that the Bible is the Word of God or anything like that. I just thought it was whole, you know, it was it was legendary and it might have some authority. But when I started looking at the prophecies that were written hundreds of years before the New Testament was written, uh, just as uh, as I began this little little chat with Isaiah chapter forty nine, when I read these kinds of things, I said, um, "Gosh, I can see that uh, they predict the future accurately." Hmm. So one way is, of course with our Jewish friends, is to bring up Isaiah chapter 53 and ask them to read it with an open mind. And that's that, that worked for me, and it, it may work for others uh, as well. But um, So one way is through the prophecies of the Scriptures. Another way is, um, well, I'll tell you what, what, what I've been doing. I mean, I, I work with a couple of people who do street evangelism, and um, we have found that... Uh, I, I've been doing this for 20 years. I've been doing uh, street evangelism on and off for 20 years. I've never seen such results, positive results, as I'm seeing now. I work with a couple of ministries at 69th Street Station, right outside Philadelphia on the border of Upper Darby. And uh, one, one of the groups I, I work with is um, Reformed Evangelical Fellowship. Uh, there's uh, 
there's Mark Grasso who does that. There's Reverend Shibu Uman who does that. Um, and we're seeing, you know, people coming to, to, to coming, coming to Christ by faith uh, from every kind of background you can imagine. Um, we talk to people typically from uh, Muslim backgrounds. Uh, we talk to people from every country you can imagine, Latin American countries, uh, various states in India, uh, Pakistan, um, Africa, the, the Ivory Coast, uh, you know, and on, on a typical evening, we'll have a, a couple We'll have a couple people each evening who uh, receive. Uh, who, we explain the gospel to them, and they receive Christ as, as Lord and Savior. We have to bring other uh, tracts and literature in different languages, but um, we're we're just seeing the results. To answer your question, is uh, the the best way to explain it is to just make the attempt, <laughs> and the Lord will the Lord will direct uh, will direct your steps if you do that. In essence, uh, you, you can't steer a parked car, but once the car is moving, you can. The Lord can steer it with you. Yes, Amen. Uh, that's a very good point, and um, I, um, I think some people are terribly frightened, terribly afraid to um, share their faith for whatever reason. Uh, nowadays, it might be the modern cancel culture. But it might just simply be pride, you know, pride that um, maybe someone will think less of you or whatever. And uh, it's a good thing not to fall into that trap, isn't it? And to just simply obey the Lord and and share. Um, One way that I have found to eliminate 50% of the fear uh, in sharing one's faith is to take the evangelism explosion diagnostic questions and commit them to memory and practice saying them to yourself. Uh, once that's done, then the evangelist knows where the conversation is headed, so he can, can he or she can control the conversation. Those questions are this. You, you meet someone, and you have a little chit-chat, you talk about anything you really want, but they can see you out there handing, handing literature out. And in Philadelphia, it's almost... It's almost acceptable because people stand on the street corner and hand out, mm-hmm. you know, tour bus guide brochures and everything out like that. So you're standing there and people are walking by and you put something in their hands or offer it to them. And, and then you say, well, you know, um, Nassim or Mohammed or Frank or whatever, uh, let me ask you, have you come to the place in your spiritual life where you know for certain that if you died tonight that you would go to the good place and not to the bad place? <laughs> And I and we'll just shut up and let them chew on that for a while. Then you ask, in essence, the same question, but it's phrased differently by by evangelism explosion. It's the same. It's in essence the same question. Well, what I mean by this, Nassim, is this: um, if you stood before God, and He say to you, "Why should I let you in, into my heaven?" What do you think He would say to him in that day? Mm. And then you just shut up. Then you just shut up and let let them talk. Most people will answer something along the lines of. Um, I do good things, and my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds. In fact, most people will say that. And then what you do is you ask the third question, which is this. Would you mind, um, Nassim, or would you mind, uh, Frank or Mary, if I share with you from, uh, from the, the Scriptures what the, what the Scriptures say about that question? And you just shut up and let them listen. Uh, let them talk. And yeah. half the time they'll say, yeah, sure, okay. And there you have your 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 in, and then of course you're using a series of verses 
most tracts have pretty good verses. You know, the Romans road to salvation. You have them read the scriptures with you, mm. and you just talk to them. And at some level, they may want you to. to uh, they they may be receptive. And in that point, at that point, you say, "Well, now that you understand this, uh, can you think of why now would not be as good a time as any to ask Christ to be your Lord and Savior?" Yeah, now, yeah. I, I, this presumes that you have taken them to the need for repentance, to the identification with what sin is, to the fact that they're, in essence, um, God is offering them mercy, but if they don't receive it, they're in trouble with him. You know, you've, you've shared all that. Not everyone is willing to go through the whole process, but you can begin that and then just get their contact information for follow-up. Yeah, that's, 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 uh, that's beautiful. Well, today mm-hmm. we've been talking with uh, the Reverend Rick Anderson, and uh, he is associate pastor of Stratford Presbyterian Church, where he preaches in the evening services. And also he's a senior missionary with Chaim Ministry to the Jewish People. And uh, Rick, if someone would like to look you up online, are there website addresses that you would like to share with us? Uh, one one is easy. Um, just three uh, Just. Uh, three W's and a dot, or HTTPS, uh, three W's, and then org. It's it's actually Chaim. It means life in Hebrew. It's C-H-A-I-M dot O-R-G. And then, uh, you know, leave your information and we'll be in touch with you. That's beautiful. Uh, Rick Anderson, my brother. And, and thank you very much for what you're doing for the kingdom of God uh, there in Philadelphia and and uh, sharing the gospel with friends on the street. That's a very important work. Uh, We appreciate it very much. And uh, if someone would like to get a hold of Rick, feel free to email the station, and we'll forward it to him. Our email address here is ministry at redeemerbroadcasting.org. Rick Anderson, my brother, thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Dan. And dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer. 